We love you. Hey, let's give uh, Luke and Asher a big old round of applause. Way to go, guys. So they have been uh, running our lights and our, uh, our words this morning so far, and they've done a way better job than I could ever do because I'm garbage sitting back there. And on top of that, our computer's flipping out. It's going haywire left and right. I don't know if you've noticed like, oh, I wonder why the, the light is suddenly green and blue. Uh, we don't know either. So sometimes technology is fun, sometimes it's not. And in the middle of that, we have got, we've got Luke and Asher that have their hands on the steering wheel, piloting the ship in the middle of a storm, and they did an incredible job. Way to go, guys. So I want to give you a heads up about all the little weird things that are going on, and then I want to give one point, and then I want to take communion, and then let's go home. And go rest. I don't know if you've got, you know, you're still working off of Christmas and New Year's leftovers and stuff like that. So we are in an interesting time of the year. Um, we try to let nothing go on in January. You know, we just went, came off of all of the hubbub and Thanksgiving and all the craziness and Christmas. And then you hit January and it's like, well, what's going on in January? Hopefully nothing. Hopefully it's the year where it's like everything's dead. It gets t- dark at two o'clock in the afternoon. Like, let's just have some peace and some quiet. Let's yell at some football games and just have some, you know, some alone time. Well, this is a great time to start looking back at our foundations of our faith, of our family, and something else that starts with an F just so that we can have some alliteration. We need to walk around our house and just check our foundation. We had some freezes, you know, did, did the blocks bust up? Do we have a soft spot? I had uh, one of my best friends, um, they had a water main break and their entire backyard turned into like the Mississippi. So it was just like, what do you do? You get out there, like there's no bucket to bail out, you know, there's not enough towels to sop it up. So you just sit there and let the river run through it and then clean up after. All of us have had things that, is, that have happened to our foundations. And also, I don't know if you're like this, but life is a little hectic, and it doesn't necessarily always go as planned. So when you're building the foundations of, of your doctrine, of what we know about God, what we believe about the Bible, what I know about myself, you are laying those foundations as the builders are building the house on top of it. You know, has anyone ever had the mental image of like you laying tracks in front of the train and the train is just coming in behind you and you're just desperately trying to put down tracks? Well, that's how we lay out the foundation of our faith. And sometimes we lay a, a beam or we lay a block and it's completely wrong. And we start building our house on that false view of ourselves or, you know, false doctrine And we have this huge support structure laying on top of this weak foundation. And when a storm hits our life, man, that's where it gives way. So in a day and a month that not a whole lot's going on, let's take some time and look at our foundations. Just double check. How am I doing? Let's do a safety check. Did I get hit with any shrapnel over the month? Like, how's my brain? Probably not as good as it needs to be, you know. How are we doing? How's the foundation? And... Teaching-wise, what we're going to start doing is over the next quarter, we're going to be talking about our foundation of like who God is. Because if we have a flawed view of who God is, well, it doesn't really matter what else we know. 
I, I mean, I, I can talk about identity stuff until I'm blue in the face, but if I have a flawed view of God, well, all that stuff is going to crack when a storm comes. So this month, we're going to be talking about how God is love. He is not loving. He is love. He is the embodiment of love. And we have an incredibly messed up view of what love is. We watch, you know, all this stuff on TV or we watch movies or we have our parents that have given over a flawed view of how love needs to operate and we don't get our definition of love from the source. And so all of us have a, a little bit of a skewed view of what love is. So this month we're talking about what is love? Next month we're gonna be talking about how that God is in the business of relationships. He is desperately uh, wanting to engage in relationship. And then a month after that, we're going to talk about how God has an incredibly high standard that he holds you to. And it's not like, you know, I know that you're a C student, but unless you, you know, get a perfect score on the SAT, like you're, you're not welcome into the family. I know that you want to weld, but unless you're a doctor, we're not going to treat you the same way. That's not the standard that I'm talking about. The standard that God holds you to is he knows what is inside of you. And he holds you to that standard. Not so that he can beat you up when we fall short of that standard, but you have got to open up your eyes and realize that you are as strong as you actually are. You're as powerful as you actually are. And if you keep on selling yourself short day in, day out, year after year, you are never going to be able to accomplish the things that God has, has for you in your destiny because you think that you're just some, oh, I'm just some worm, you know, uh, Anything would do me, you know, if I just get a shack in the corner of heaven, it'll be all right. No, you're a son. You're a daughter of the king. You're a prince in the house. It's not your business to be out in the, some left field of heaven. You're meant to be in the throne room of heaven. And if you don't know what your potential is, if you don't know what your destiny is, you're going to go through life accept, or accepting less than you deserve. Now, imagine if you have a kid, hypothetically, or you have a really cute puppy. And this kid brings home some meth dealer. Like, mom, dad, I love them. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. It's like, are you serious? You're worth more than this. Imagine if your kid starts dating somebody that's physically abusive. All of us have family members that, that have walked through that. And you want to shake him and be like, why are you settling for this? You don't have to settle for somebody beating you up all day, every day. You deserve more than that. That's the standard that God holds us to. Baby darling, you're a child of the king. Get up out of the ditch. That's the standard that he holds us to. But today we're going to, or I'm sorry, and Wednesdays, we're going to get everybody in. We've got one more class of the chosen to get to, and we've got one more class of our apologetics small group that we're going to get to. But here for the next little bit, we're going to kind of circle the wagons, and we're going to talk about how to experience the Lord. Because I think a lot of our faith is like kind of knowledge base, or it's based on whatever emotion that I'm feeling at, at the time, uh, kind of like we did this morning. By the way, that's, that's what we call meditation. Like when I'm just thinking about what Jesus is doing, what he's telling me, and let all the other stuff, all the other distractions drift out of my mind, and I focus on Christ, that's biblical meditation. 
We're going to focus on that. We're going to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. We're going to learn how to communicate that, what the Lord's saying to other people. We're going to learn how to pray for some people. So if you're interested in what we're doing here, and I know that we've got several people that, um, that are still in quarantine at home. So hi, everybody. My mom's watching at home. The Sackas. We've got a ton of people that are just engaged digitally. So none of this stuff is uh, beyond your ability to interact with. So all the stuff's going to either be uh, Zoomed or live streamed. So dig in this month, dig in this quarter, and let's really start reworking the foundations to make sure that we're building our lives and our faith on solid foundations. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, that God is love. And I'm in a I'm in a little bit of a bind on this because the unfortunate thing about communicating this, so I'm on a stage and I have a microphone, the problem is you can't teach what love is. You know, over the next few weeks, we're going to take a stab at it. But love is a feeling. Love is an experience. And you've got to experience that. Some things are not caught, or some things are not taught, they're caught. I can't tell you what it's like to be a father because I'm, I'm not a father. You have to, I mean, I can, I can talk to you about the mechanics of the psychological literature of, you know, what fathers need to be doing. You know, if you hit your kid with a baseball bat, I can, you know, inform you, hey, maybe that's not the best form of discipline but I don't know what it's like to be a father. I don't know what it's like to hold your baby and just re-fall in love all over again. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to drive a Porsche. I can read about it, I can watch videos about it, but I can't, I can't communicate that to you because I drive Kia Spectra and I love my little Kia Spectra, but a Porsche it ain't. So I don't know how to communicate to you. I, don't, I can't teach you what it's like to be a, the owner of a Porsche because I'm clueless. And I also can't teach you what it's like to be the recipient of the love of the Father. I can tell you what it's like for me. And other people can communicate what their experience of love is. But the number one thing that we're, we're, we have got to lay as our foundation is this, this has got to be your deal. You have got to experience what love is like. Because he's the only person that can show it to you. Brandon and Lindsay uh, used to take me skiing when I was in high school. And I had a wonderful experience one time. Um, I'm garbage at skiing. I'm garbage at water skiing. Garbage at snow skiing. If you love skiing and you want to invite me out, I will come eat food with you. I will not ski with you. Um, I can stay at the cabin and I can light fires and I can cook, but I am not going to be carving up the slopes. I have no interest in it. I tried it once. I had a horrible time. Never again. Well, they were trying to teach me how to water ski. And on uh, Lindsay's dad's boat, there was like this boom to where you're not, you know, a mile behind the boat. You're like right next to the boat. So our youth group is like there the whole time. I'm like, I can do this. And so like, point the skis up. You don't, you know, all right, I'm ready. Here we go. So we go up and the first thing you do is just a mouth full of water. And I'm like, okay, well, circle back around. Or it's worse like when you don't let go and it's just like, no, this is horrible. It's like, well, let go. Like, ah, yeah. 
So that was my experience on the first two times. And then I think on the third, like, I got up. And I look awful. It's, it's the worst skiing form ever. But I'm just loving life and everybody's laughing in the boat. They're cheering. And it takes me a second to realize that the reason why they're laughing in the boat is I came up and my trunks didn't. There I am. Youth group right there. <laughs> Great. So that was the last time I ever skied. Never again. Wake surfing, the first time I tried it, I got up. And I was like, I've never surfed before. This is pretty amazing. The first time I got up, I surfed longer than Lindsay did. And I don't know if you know Lindsay, but she is slightly competitive. So we stayed out until she beat my time, which she's a better surfer than I am, so it didn't take her a long time. But when you, when you learn how to do that, I can't communicate how to, how to surf or how to ski. The most wonderful thing, I and mean, we all kind of joke about it, is like when you're trying to tell people how to surf or ski or do any kind of like that kinesthetic stuff, people will just go, stand up. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Just stand up. Well, the mechanics of it is that you just, you stand up. That's, there is no other way to communicate what that is like other than to stand up. Now, when you don't know what it feels like to stand up as the water is racing underneath you, that is not helpful information. Even though that it's true, it's not helpful. We say that at the gym all the time, like, um, so when I've got my arm that's being folded behind my back or some sweaty person is choking the life out of me and I pay him to do it, it's, it's pretty sad. Everybody in the gym will just go, hey, Justin, just try to stand up. Like, okay, thanks. <laughs> my arms are being folded like a pretzel and you just, you can't just stand up. But sometimes that's the solution. You just, you stand up, get your hips higher. I can't. You can get your hips higher. And once I get my hips higher, I'm like, oh, got it. The love of the Father is a whole lot like all of that. Unless you get out and you just start working at it, you're never going to realize it. I can, I can buy a boat. I can have a boom. I can have all of the instruction in the world for you. None of that is going to help. I can buy you DVDs on how to ski and how to, how to surf and the, the position of your weight that you need to be balanced, but not too balanced. You know, sometimes your weight needs to be a little forward and sometimes it needs to be a little bit back. I can give you all of that information and not one ounce of it is going to help you be a better surfer or a skier. We come in here on Sundays and we, we have worship that's going on. And I've got a lesson and there's lots of Bible verses about how God loves you. But unless you get out in the water and start practicing it for yourself, you're never going to learn it. The problem is with the church is that we've got a lot, we've got a pretty big like surfing club and all of us walk around and we're like, yep, carving black diamonds left and right. And not one of us has ever put on skis. We know about skiing. We've watched the DVDs. I show up to the ski lodge every week. I give money to the ski lodge. How <laughs> This is one of the most wonderful times for Planet Fitness ever. 
Because they're like, they are making commitments with people that are going to use their facilities for a month. And then come March, they're going to be generating revenue streams off of people that are sitting on their couch. They never use the equipment at Planet Fitness. And the church, unfortunately, has gotten the same way. We have people that commit. Yeah, I'm going to give my money. Cares about your money. Use it. Use the information that's here. Use the community that's here. We have been taught false things about love, and we assume that we know what we're doing. And the problem is, a lot of the times, we will try to communicate to other people how to ski and how to surf, how to experience the love of the Father. And I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just parroting what somebody else told me, and that person's just parroting what somebody else told them. Until you experience the love of the Father for yourself, and then it's all over. No one has to tell you that God loves you. Like, oh, I know. I know. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. The love of the Father is better than the love of your earthly father. Oh, I know. There's nothing like it. I have got friends and family members that love me incredibly well. My, my, my grandmother, her name was Lucy, was one of the most Christ-like, bleeding heart compassionate people that I've ever been around. She had the ability to love people that I would barely even step over. She loved incredibly well. The love of my heavenly father is way better than that. My earthly father would take me to the fair all the time. Every time that the fair was in town, like on armband night, it's a miracle I didn't put him in the ER. Let me get my armband and we're going to get in every line. I'm going to show up the second that the midway is open and we're going to ride the scariest rides until one of us is dead. And as a kid, that stuff doesn't mess with you. I don't know if you've ever gotten on a fair ride as an adult and your center of gravity is a little bit different. Oh my gosh. The last time I got on, not just forget about how they're put together. Forget about, why is this wet? Forget, so I spent my whole life not eating corn dogs because I associated corn dogs with the smell of body odor because we got corn dogs at the fair and it's like, oh, that's what that smell is. And then it was, I hit junior high, I'm like, corn dogs? Nope, teens. That's what that smell is. It's not corn dogs. It's not corn dogs' fault. I've been judging corn dogs unfairly. Well, meh. I mean, not unfairly. But the last time I got on a fair ride, like, all right, guys, ride in the midway. All right, here we go. And I got on the super loop once. I got off, walked out of the exit. I didn't say bye to any of my friends. I got in my car and I went home. I can't handle that stuff anymore. And I was talking to my dad about it. I was like, I can't do that. He's like, I never could. I was sicker than a dog the whole time. I'm like, you rode every ride. He was like, because you were having fun. And that's a love of a father. And I'm telling you, the love of my heavenly father is nothing compared to that. Nothing. Like the first time that Ty saw his son. Oh. Before he's crying at two o'clock in the morning. 
you know, because all of us, it's, it's really cute that night. And then after a week, it's like, wow, you are loud. <laughs> Just sleep, man. Just sleep. But before all of that frustration kicks in, that, oh, baby, I love you. I'll do anything in the world. I'll beat up any man like like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Hulk Hogan, like I'll, I'll run through them just for you. I'll protect you from every, every life's uh, bend and mishap. Baby, whatever you need, I've got nothing. The, the love of our Heavenly Father is nothing compared to that. It is so far above and beyond what we can imagine that if we just catch a glimpse of what the love of our Father is, oh, they'll have to chase us. Why in the world do people line up for martyrdom, deny Christ? I can't. I've got lots of friends that, that don't believe in the same God that I believe in or might believe in God, but they don't know him the way that I know him. It's like, why in the world do you go to church all the time? It's like, I found somebody that loved me more than anybody has ever loved me. And I can't give that away. I can show it as an example and I can, I can do a garbage job at showing it. Even if when I'm firing on all cylinders and everything's going right and I've, like, I've had my Snickers and my caffeine level is managed, even me loving on my best day, I'm sorry guys, I do a poor job communicating what the love of the Father is like. It's better than you can imagine. I don't know if you've ever realized this or not, but you're the one that's being pursued in the relationship. The Bible says that with one look from your eye, you have ravished the heart of the Father. I don't know if you remember what it's like, like walking through high school and like you see that girl. Who is that? When the Lord looked out over the entire universe and he saw you, he was like, Jesus talks about that the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant who's walking through the, the market and finds a pearl of exceedingly great value, a pearl of greatest price. And he goes back, he sells everything he has so that he can buy the pearl because the value of the pearl that he found in the market that everybody else was looking over was more valuable than anything else that he had. Or that the kingdom of heaven is like a, a, a real estate merchant who's surveying property and finds a treasure hidden in a field. Goes back and sells everything he has to have money to be able to buy that field. Because the value of the treasure in the field is greater than the value of everything else that he had. You are the pearl of greatest price. You are the treasure hidden in the field. That Jesus, once he saw you, went back to heaven and gave up everything else. I don't, I don't think that we really understand what the incarnation was. Is that God, during Christmas, came down and became man. He wasn't renting it out. This wasn't a red box of love. The deity, the creator of the universe, changed his essence to become man. And when he ascended, he took his physical body back into heaven. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, they don't have physical bodies. They don't understand what it's like to be this. 
Jesus changed his form permanently for you. And he thinks he won in the deal. We get Jesus, we get heaven, and Jesus is going, if I had more, I'd give more. I get heaven, Jesus gets me, and he thinks that he won. You were loved greater than you could ever imagine. You've never loved somebody in your life the way that Jesus loves you. So I want to join with Paul. He's writing to the Ephesians. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. And we'll end on this. Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you, church on the hill, with power through his spirit in your innermost being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, church on the hill, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ and to know that this love, that surpassing knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the thing that I am praying for you this month, I can't teach it. I, I don't have the skill set to be able to teach this the right way. You have got to experience what it's like to be loved by a father. He loves you. And I pray, I get on my knees and I pray for you, church on the hill, that God would grant you the power to be able to comprehend, not just have a, a, a fleeting thought of, to be able to comprehend, to understand what is the length, the depth, the breadth, the fullness of the love of Christ for you. So it's on your shoulders like, well, how do I ski? Jump in the water. It's not gonna happen tomorrow. You're not gonna be an expert at the love of God on day one. It's a process, it's a journey of faith. That's what we're all trying to do. We come in here, we sing songs, we listen to somebody you know, that's got way too much hot air talk about stuff, we play games, like we eat food. Like, Why in the world do we do all that? It's because we are in the process of trying to uncover what the love of God is like. 